From a Distance by Alexis Keir. Dear Matty, there were only the three of us in the car that day. Grandad, your brother Jacob, and me. Grandad walked so slowly, and I too was hollowed out by the disappearance from my life of people I loved. Jacob was so quiet, I don't think he knew what he was heading into or what he was meant to do when we got there. The clouds above Luton were grey and swirling and their turbulence matched our mood. That lunchtime, we were making a visit to Miss Thomas, just like in the old days when I was young and it was me, Uncle Chris and Auntie Charlotte squeezed onto the back seat of the Vauxhall Victor, fighting and teasing each other through every mile of our imprisonment. On each of the roads I drove down now, Grandad had a memory of who had lived there and which island they had come from, or, if they were Vincentian, which small village. All the way from Hightown to Hockwell Ring, he educated and reminded us about the community he and Grandma had been part of for 50 years. Marsh Farm had always felt edgy when I used to stray there on my bicycle. Now the tower blocks had been knocked down and the estate had come through riots and stigma to become were, let's say, peaceful and respectable. The migrants who arrived in the 60s with education and aspirations had passed on their ambitions, and the neighborhood had caught up with them. Miss Thomas stood outside her house while I reversed into place. Do you remember Miss Thomas, Matty? She's about the same age as Grandad, and her story in this country is woven around his and grandma's. On the steps, she kissed and hugged us all, and the months since we had last been together fell away. It's been so long, she said. Come, come inside. It's too cold out here. She led us into the narrow hallway of her home. As we walked down, I caught a glimpse through the living room door of coffee tables and shelves adorned with mirrors, wedding and graduation photographs, and vases of plastic flowers, beautiful in their unpollinated splendor. Today, we were not going to be sat on the pristine front room sofas. Miss Thomas took us straight through to the cosy dining room at the rear of the house. There the table was set like it was every Sunday to welcome those who needed rest or a meal or just company. Around it, a group of ladies waited for us as 
fiery and feisty as ground spice. Five of them. Heights from short to tall, but all strong and sturdy in that way Caribbean women are. Velma, Sandra, Viola, Annette and Mabel. The last seemingly concentrating on her dancing knitting needles, but managing to keep an eye on the rest of us over the glasses halfway down her nose. Only one person was missing from the circle, Grandma, and her friends wanted to honor her family. These women were all linked by bonds forged as they raised families in this Bedfordshire town, far from the island, which they always still called home. They'd met through church or work. A couple had known Grandma through their decades working at the L&D, walking the maternity wards together in the dead of night. Thousands of babies delivered and many bereaved parents comforted. Life always finding a way to carry on. The table nearly filled the compact room and to squeeze round it, the women had had to trundle one by one through the gap between its edge and the wall. Now they waited for Grandad to occupy the place at its head. Your brother and I on either side. Grandad came in behind me, standing a little straighter now, but still unsteady with every step. Now his eyes had that sparkle of someone who was simply too troublesome, as Grandma used to say. And his mouth began spitting out compliments and insults in all directions. In jokes and chat, the pensioners returned to the shores of their youth. Two younger friends of Miss Thomas began carrying in dishes and bowls and the feast began. Chicken, beef, duck, rice and peas and roast potato served onto plate after never-ending plate. Brown rice and plantain piled in a golden mound. At the start there was squash to drink and morbi and sorrel, then ginger beer or prosecco. And when those finished, Grandad still wanted more, so they brought out Buck's Fizz, and there was the pop of corks to celebrate us all being together. Then the real talking began. Oh, the stories we heard that day, Matty. Grandad loved having an audience, and his cockiness rose to meet the gentle teasing from these women who could deal with his foolishness all day long. You, you like to talk so? They took turns in reminding him, as he told tale after tale of how age meant nothing to him and how his physiotherapist was so impressed by his strength and vigor. When I asked him if he would like his beef cut up, the reply I got was a disdainful, I mean, not so crumpy yet. 
But Matty, I just waited for a moment when he was distracted by his own laughter and then discreetly separated the succulent flesh into smaller pieces. In their conversation, the elders sometimes uncovered things that made them suck their teeth. They spoke about the rudeness of the Utnem down at the chippy, effing and jeffing, and dressed like, them trousers not have no belt, and I slipped down to show them batty. Except Jacob, who they praised for his politeness and the passion of a speech he had made at his school about a racist encounter. His oratory watched on the tiny screen of a mobile phone which was passed around the table. And maybe because of his experience, they went further back too, into dark memories, holding things that had scared and hurt them, even though they are a generation that does not like to dwell on the bad times. Voices grew quieter and the silences a little longer. I had never heard this before, but Grandad told how he had been chased by teddy boys with knives and knuckle dusters through the streets of London shortly after arriving on the Erpinia. He was saved only by the kindliness of a Jamaican stallholder who hid him behind canvas and pallets. Why his pursuers ignored the stallholder's blackness, he didn't know. Velma, diminutive and plump, seemed to rise with pride as she remembered walking out on the seemingly courtly GP who told her, Madam, I couldn't possibly know how to treat the illnesses of black people. And Miss Thomas shared her astonishment at the smartly dressed African who used his umbrella without hesitation on the white woman who swore at him for wanting to take the seat next to her on a bus. And still Grandad talked and talked. I smiled with sadness inside me when he said he was going to fly home to look after himself. He spoke about how he would tend his kitchen garden of herbs and cook up leftovers for the sport dogs. And he laughed remembering how you would try to ride those dogs, Matty. In between the hours he spent trying to coax out the huge toad which lived in the drainage channel. Grandad described how once he got back, he, one himself, would chop coconut husks with a cutlass and roast breadfruit over them till the skin was black and the flesh inside moist and soft. In truth, I knew it would be one of the boys in the village who he would give a five dollar to come tend the breadfruit. But for Grandad to be in charge was fine and just as things should be. The words swam in circles until they and Grandad collapsed in grief as his mind went back to the, to the night two months before 
when Grandma slipped away from us. His right hand covered his heart in the Vincentian salute to someone who could not be there. And then he held my hand and told me that the September afternoon when he and Grandma left me at a provincial hall of residence was the hardest day of his life. Leaving me speechless, I never had imagined my father missing me so much. You see, Matty, fathers love in ways that sons never know. The time came for us to get back in our car and drive away, but something was different from when we had arrived. We had found devotion we had forgotten was there for us. And for you. Grandad yawned and stretched his arms above his head and said how he would sleep so well that night, partly because of the food and wine, but mostly due to the whole nutmeg in its mace jacket that he always carried in his pyjama breast pocket. Mabel sized him up carefully and the clicking of the needles stopped. She told him the reason he slept so well and so often wasn't because of any of that nonsense, but because he was so worn out and old now. Grandad returned her stare flatly and allowed a perfect pause before he said loudly, I'm not older, I'm senior. And with that, he stood up, waggled his hips, did a little dance on the spot, and the room erupted in a wave of warm laughter sweeping his home. <laughs>